You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Weekend Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Weekend Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And today we'll be talking to Eleanor Whitaker, a Collegian reporter who wrote stories about a memorial service that campus held in honor of the victims of 9-11. She also wrote a story about uh, STEM professors who balance having families and having careers in the sciences. Then we'll talk with Jane Kitchen about an opinion piece she wrote about the difficulties of transferring into Hillsdale. And then finally, we will talk to Tate Christensen about a student band called Diet of Worms, which she wrote about this week. But first, Lauren and I are just going to discuss some of the top headlines and most interesting stories in the collision this week. So I wrote a pretty fun story for my section, City News, this week about a car show that Stillwell Ford hosted last Saturday. It was their seventh annual one. And I didn't even know that they hosted a car show. So that was neat to find out. And another thing that was neat uh, is that it's a charity event. And so there are no first or second place car winners or anything like that. No prizes. It's strictly a charity event. And every year they choose a new charity to support. And this year it was um, Hillsdale County's Child Abuse Prevention and Awareness Group. So that was pretty neat. Yeah, that was a super sweet story. I I liked the quotes that you got from the people that you talked to that went there. Yeah, there were some pretty sweet people there. I talked to um, a really sweet couple who had been married for 49 years. And the car that they had at the show with them was their 50-year-old Monte Carlo. And it was the same car that they drove away in after their wedding. And so he, uh, the husband had a picture of them on their wedding day standing in front of the car. And then uh, we took a picture of them now standing in front of their car. So of course I had to include that in the paper. And it it was just so cool to see that little piece of history. Another story that we had, uh, this one was on the front page, was about the online traffic increase that the college has been seeing. Um, The stats that we have here, let's see, in the past year, the college had 10 million website visitors, 1.3 million new followers, 77 million YouTube viewers, and 560,000 new online course accounts just in a year. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, I work at the contact center here at Hillsdale no College. So does me Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> we both work there. And, you know, we get calls all the time. People saying, oh, I found out about you guys because I saw an ad on YouTube or, oh, I was scrolling through Facebook and I I saw this DVD set. How can I get this DVD set? And so definitely a lot of people just that I've talked to on the phone talking about how they know about this school because of things they saw online. Yeah, it's just so remarkable to me that no matter how the sort of cycle is looking, the news cycle, whatever, Hillsdale keeps increasing these things. We keep increasing our online traffic. We keep increasing the number of applicants, um, like undergraduate applicants. We keep decreasing the number of admittance because there are so many applicants and we're not increasing the size of the school. We keep building on campus. We keep improving things. It's just so remarkable to me that this keeps happening year after year. Another story that we had, uh, sort of a funny one. The other day, 
the dining hall had Chick-fil-A sandwiches for students at dinner time. They were amazing. You I w- got one. Oh, I didn't go. I was really sad. I thought they were going to be there for lunch. And so I went for lunch, but then I couldn't go for dinner. No, yeah, I went. Um, I showed up at the dining hall probably around 5.15. And the line was out the door all the way to the hallway. And so finally, when I got in the dining hall, I got my little ticket for my sandwich because you're only allowed to get one. So they gave you a ticket so they would know. Um, And by the time I actually got my sandwich, it was 5.40 because the line was so long. Uh, But let me tell you, it was worth it. They also had all the Chick-fil-A sauces, you know, like the Polynesian, the honey mustard. My personal favorite, the Chick-fil-A sauce. Um, By the time I got there, they had already run out of the regular chicken sandwiches. That's totally fine because I was going to get spicy anyway. Uh, But I think that's just shows how popular Chick-fil-A is. Yeah. Very fun little thing they did. Yeah. Thank you to whoever put that together. Brighten my day. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of Christian chicken (laughs) to make me smile. The Lord's chicken. Yes. Another really interesting story that we had in your section, Laura, in the city news section, um, was about a concert at a venue called the Gospel Barn. Oh, yes. Uh, as far as I'm aware, you attended this concert. I did attend the concert. Um, I did not write the article, which means I attended the concert just for leisure. And let me tell you, I do not regret it. That concert was so fun. Uh, there were two performers uh, one was a gospel singer named Sherry Ann, and the other was a quartet. They're called the Blackwood Brothers. And it was so fun. I would definitely go see either of those groups perform again. What's coming up next at the Gospel Barn? The next band that is performing, uh, it's a band called The Inspiration. So that will be happening this Saturday. But one band that is coming on September 23rd, I believe, is a very popular gospel band. They are called the Booth Brothers. And something special about the Booth Brothers is that they are so popular and so many people want to come and see them. Um, On Saturdays, usually they just have one concert, but not for the Booth Brothers. They have two concerts, one at 1 p.m. and one at 6 p.m. Usually tickets are $7, not for the Booth Brothers, $18 to see these guys. I looked them up on Spotify. I think they have like 43,000 monthly listeners, which for a gospel band, I think that's pretty good. I mean, they're no Gaithers, but kind of hard to live up to the Gaithers. I mean, I would go see them. I I think the gospel band, I mean, the gospel barn does a great job at finding great gospel groups and hosting awesome concerts. Well, that's enough of us. We'll be back with you shortly and we'll be hearing from our guests. Bye. The Collegian Week in Review continues. This is Maddie, and I'm here today with Eleanor Whitaker, who is a Collegian reporter and wrote a couple stories this week, one of which was the top story on the front page about uh, a service that the college did in remembrance of the victims of 9-11. So tell me about this story. Yeah, so I was asked to get up early on Monday morning to go and watch the flag-placing ceremony that was intended to honor the uh, victims of the 9-11 terrorist attack. I, I knew what the flag was like because I, um, I talked to Chief a little bit about it beforehand. But getting on the scene, 
I was surprised to find how like large there was a grid, an outline of flags that had been placed that morning. And when I got there, um, Chief was already helping students pick up flags and begin to line up in rows and place flags simultaneously. So like people would line up in the flags and Chief would be like, all right, place your flags. And everyone would kneel down and they would place their flags. And then they would stand up and then Chief would say, right, face. And then they would turn and they would move. And then the next row of people would move up. Um, the table next to the quad was filled with flags. But then after about 45 minutes, every single flag was placed by a crowd of students that were just coming and cycling through. What was different about this in comparison to previous years? So this in past years, um, organizers would pre-place the flags around the Civil War statue in between Lane and Kendall. And then they would have a speaker come and talk about 9-11 Memorial, um, which didn't always get as many people coming because it was more just a talk. And this year, they didn't have a talk planned. And so Chief decided to use this opportunity to change up the ceremony and do something that involved student participation because he really wanted to get students to think, like, what, is, what am I representing? What am I doing when I place a flag? And because he had students line up in rows, you would, while you're waiting your turn, I placed a few flags, you would kind of just stand and wait and think about what the flag you're rep- that you were holding represented. And so I think it achieved its goal. Yeah, that's awesome. So completely changing gears. You also wrote another story uh, for the science and tech section about some science professors who are also mothers and how they balance their career mm-hmm. and their family. So tell me about that. Tell me about that story. Who did you talk to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was more of a personal project for me because I'm majoring in physics. So I'm really interested in science and I'm really interested in the different career paths that science can lead to. And so as a person who is also interested in having a family, I was really curious in talking to some of the professors on campus about what it was like. And I thought other students probably have similar questions. So it made it perfectly flowed well into a feature collegiate article. I at first had a little bit of trouble finding women who were teaching science and had kids. But um, I knew Dr. Lawback really well. I talked to her and Dr. Mayette was my advisor and then they pointed me to Dr. Barron. So I believe those are the believe those are the only three women we have on campus who teach in a STEM field and have have children at some age. So what did you learn from the women that you interviewed? I learned that it's not yes if you want to go down a research path, which most of these women did, they went and they got PhDs and then they went on and became tenure track professors somewhere. But they all along the way, they met their husbands and they fell in love and they realized that the family was also really important to them. And they were both so important to them that they decided to do them at the same time. They didn't have to be like, oh, I have to choose one over the other. It's not a dichotomy. It was difficult for all three of them. Um, They had loving and supporting husbands who were able to pick up for the kids when they couldn't. But they both, all of them loved the choice that they make. It's kind of like you can't really regret doing both the thing you love 
and having a family at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they were able to look back on their their experience and say, yeah, it was hard, but it was worth it. Um, Dr. Mayed, I loved how she talked about because she was doing PhD work and had her head in the books all the time, her boys saw her um, doing that and then became inspired to go into STEM fields themselves. Uh, one of her boys graduated from Hillsdale with a degree in physics, and he went on to be published in Nature as an undergrad, which is huge, uh, gigantic journal publishing. So they're both testaments to saying that like, you can be a great example for your children. I also got the impression that when all three of these women became professors at Hillsdale, their family life balance became so much easier. And I thought that was a testament to the work and professor culture we have here at Hillsdale. Yeah, tell me more about that. What's different about Hillsdale, at least in their experiences? Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Barron was able to send her kids to the academy. And then after school, her kids would just come up the hill and then do work in her office. And she would have college students tutor them in subjects or teach them musical instruments um, when they were really young at the preschool. She could be right there for them. Uh, so, And they got to see her work, which was important for Dr. Barron. She wanted her kids to see, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. This is what I love about it. And that was key for balancing faith and family life. And uh, Dr. Lawback, a physics professor here, she had her baby last year. So she's been a mom at Hillsdale this entire time. And she was able to take um, a whole semester off for uh, maternity leave and come back. And she was surprised at how open the faculty and the students were to giving her free time to spend with the baby if she needed it. And uh, her husband helped her a lot. What do you think people can learn from their stories and the experiences that they shared with you? Uh, Commitment to family is one of the most important things you can do. All three of the women I talked to, they never really prioritize career over their family. Um, So I think putting that first is is it's can it's hard to think about now as college students especially because we're thinking about careers and we're thinking about what we want to be interested in but that is that's something to be considered it's hard for women especially because the women i talked to were like yeah there is a different burden placed on the woman because kids really need their mom and you can't easily step away from that a study i read when doing research for this article showed that Almost half of females drop out of STEM careers when they have their first child so that they can raise a family. And that is a noble decision. Um, And so we don't always know what our future careers are. But right now we can decide to follow what we're interested in and study what we're passionate about, even in setting goals for ourselves and working towards that, knowing that life is going to have different turns for us. And we might have to make different decisions, but that there is a way to balance all things that we love. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay. You're listening to the Collegian Week in Review. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Jane Kitchen. She is the assistant opinions editor at the Collegian. This week, she wrote a story actually for the opinion section about how the college needs to be more core-friendly to transfer students. Now, Jane herself is a transfer student, so she knows a little bit about this. So um, I guess tell me your experience with the core as a transfer student and 
what really made you want to write this article? I think all Hillsdale students know, like, Hillsdale's core is pretty extensive. It's really unique. Um, it's like a big part of what distinguishes the college from other places. Um, but it's also because it's so unique, uh, they really don't like to accept transfer credit for any of the core classes. So when you transfer in and when I transferred in, um, I couldn't use basically any of my humanities credits to count towards my core credits. I had to start from scratch there. They kind of only take STEM. So that was kind of frustrating because I had all these classes that I had taken and instead of helping me graduate, they were basically just all kind of useless elective credits. Yeah, so I wanted to write the piece to just see if there's things that the college can do to make it easier for transfer students to actually transfer and pick up their education where they left off instead of having to start over. What were some of the classes that you took at other colleges that were not accepted here as core credit? So like uh, basic freshman, uh, like English requirements. I've taken probably like three um, just kind of like basic English requirement type classes and read a lot of the same books over and over. Um, history, stuff like that. Um, every college kind of has a set of classes that you have to take to graduate in humanities, philosophy classes, um, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they're, they're not super helpful to you at Hillsdale. What are some ways that you recommend the college can become more core friendly to transfer students? So I think there's a couple things they could do. Um, a lot of the core classes, like great books, for example, uh, obviously are based on reading. Um, so something like an assigned uh, summer reading list that transfers can complete and then maybe do some kind of mastery test or even maybe online summer courses would be great. Um, that way you could take a lot of them um, and really finish up those, those core credits. All right, Jane. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about your opinion piece. Thank you. You're listening to the Collegian Week in Review. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Tate Christensen. She is a reporter for the Hillsdale Collegian. And this week, she wrote a story for the culture section about a student band on campus called the Diet of Worms. Tate, tell me why this band is special. This band is special because, well, they have a quite silly name, I would say, Diet of Worms. Some of the members of the band said that this name came from one of their members who is Catholic, but also loves history. Um, they were studying died of worms in western heritage and he thought it was a cool name and when they were brainstorming ideas for their band name he threw it out there and everyone thought it sounded cool there are eight members of this band yes. i'm assuming all of them were okay with having a little bit of a nerdy name for a band yeah yeah they're all quite funny people i enjoyed my interview with them the name quite suits them actually because they are just silly people but in the best possible way Tell me about some of the members of the band that you interviewed. Have they always wanted to be in a band or is it something they kind of decided to do once they got to college? 
Well, for Eric Tedder, he plays keys for the band. He's also a sophomore. Um, he always wanted to have a band, even in high school, but he could never really get one together. But when he came to Hillsdale, he started asking everybody if they played an instrument and then would get their phone number and put everybody into this huge group chat. So he was kind of the starter of the band, but that's not necessarily the case with everybody. Um, I know two of the members, at least, had said that wasn't necessarily something they were looking to do in college, but the opportunity presented itself and they've enjoyed their time with Diet of Worms. Were the band members friends before the band formed or how did they come about meeting one another? Yeah, so three of the guys were in Galloway and Eric and Aiden were good friends and had started doing duets together. And so then those two recruited another Galloway guy. And then from there, they just started reaching out to other people on campus. What are some things that you learned about the Diet of Worms while you were reporting on this story that maybe you didn't include in the finished article? One thing I learned about them is that they like the Burger King drive-thru. That's one of their favorite things to do as a band at like 1 a.m. And also, there's Do they sing while they're ordering (laughs) their food? Not that I know of. No, I'm pretty sure they just go get food and call it good. But apparently there's... There's this Burger King employee that I didn't know existed. I forgot his name. I want to say it's like Burger King Barry or something. But anyway, apparently you can just go tell this man any crap and he'll just talk back to you. So that's what they said is one of their favorite things to do at Burger King. But also, one of their favorite times last semester was during the power outage. And they randomly decided to play a show in the New Dorm lobby. So they got all the band members together and were able to put on a pretty good show. And they were also able to recruit the schismatics to play after them. So they just started a little concert series during the power outage, which I didn't even realize was happening, even though I lived in New Dorm that year. Wow, they sound pretty rad. I guess I'll have to give them a listen. Yeah, they're uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, they play a pretty snazzy good for you. So By Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo. Rodrigo. What a queen. For real. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on the show today, Tay. Well, thanks for having me, Lord. You have been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find the Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com or on Instagram at hillsdalecollegian. You can also find previous episodes of the Collegian Week in Review online at cwir.transistor.fm. Once again, you've been listening to the Collegian Week in Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.